0: The Y2B Fit Talks, where we dive deep into the world of fitness, health, and wellness. Join us as we have heart-to-heart conversations with members of our vibrant boutique fitness studio right here in the heart of Philadelphia. Discover how our unique approach helps our clients build consistency and discipline for long-lasting health and well-being. Let's have a
1: conversation. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> Let's get it started. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is our first podcast. We're really excited. We don't have a name for it yet, but when you see it in production, it will.
2: Hi, I'm Crystal. And this is Greg.
1: Yep. We're partners in business and in life. And in life. Yes, that's right. We are. And uh, this is our podcast.
2: I think a podcast was important for us to let our audience and our clients get to know us a little bit and get to know a little bit about our philosophy and why we do what we do and and you know just make that connection you know you go into a lot of gyms or fitness studios and the focus is really on like changing your body right that physical transformation and um what you look like it's really about aesthetics Mm -hmm. and a lot of people get they feel turned off by or they feel nervous going into a gym with that type of mentality because they're new to fitness, they don't know what they're doing, maybe they feel uncomfortable in their body. Um, And our philosophy is a lot different, right? We're looking for that why for fitness and finding that connection to your body
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and learning how your body moves and and feeling the movement as opposed to the aesthetics. Like obviously if aesthetics is what you want, we can help you with that and those come with time. But we focus on, I like to think of it like the soft skills of fitness.
1: I view it as like... Um, and this might be the sentimental side of me, but, like, you want to fall in love with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you lead with that, everything else will kind of fall into place.
2: Yeah. Well, if you don't love what you're doing in movement, you're not going to stick with it, right? Ever. No.
1: Just like love it's something that needs to be practiced daily to see progress or to feel progress in it. Most people want that rewar- reward right away. Yeah, um- they want that result right away. I
2: think we're wired that way, right? We want quick results. We want things to happen fast. And when it takes a long time, it's, it's hard to stay consistent. That's where, like, I like to think of it like we're not just building physical fitness, we're building mental and emotional fitness because they all kind of go together, right?
1: Hmm, beautifully well said. So really it comes down to like a process-oriented uh, practice, right? Yeah um, rather than a result oriented practice.
2: Well, yeah. Cause when you focus on results, like once you get to that outcome, where do you go from there? And that's when a lot of people stop, right? Yeah. It's like, well, I'm done. I hit my goal. What do I do now? And yeah. it, this really isn't an outcome goal. This is, I want to be fit for my life. Right. And if you want to be healthy and have longevity, then it's really about building a practice that you can sustain consistently.
1: Well, I think that's the sustainability, I think is the key, um, because we're driven so hard in a lot of these fitness things and it's, you know, get this result. But in the same time, when I always tell clients, look, you have to do this for the rest of your life. If you choose to be fit, if you choose to be healthy. And once people kind of get that and understand that they stop playing that short game And they start understanding and playing the long game, Mm -hmm. and that's a that's an amazing thing when people start to do that because then they find they find their fit in what they can do sustainably. Is it two days a week? Is it three days a week with their schedule? Is it you know adding supplemental stuff? Those kind of things.
2: Yeah, it's really about enjoyment, right? Because you can't do something that you hate for years on end. I mean, you can, but it's going to be hard. (laughs) I mean, uphill battle the whole time.
1: So how did did movement bring us together when we first started to get to know each other?
2: Well, I mean, a lot of everything we did involved movement, right? We were climbing three times a week. Mm -hmm. We were going to yoga multiple times a week. And that's what I remember. (laughs) Were we doing other things?
1: Walks, you know, like outside, hikes, lots of yoga, lots of climbing couple classes here and there.
2: We would go to a lot of yoga classes.
1: Yeah.
2: I went climbing for my first time outside when I was pregnant with Nash in Colorado and we did a lot of hikes in Colorado. Yeah. So yeah. Hiking, climbing, yoga.
1: And then you were coming in from the yoga background
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: I was coming in from the climbing background. Yes. So we got a chance to kind of teach each other's teach each other Mm-hmm. our, our, our passions around that at the time. And your, what was, you know, refresh my memory. What was your background in yoga at that time?
2: See thinking about what year that was. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I was a yoga teacher at that time. I, I had been teaching yoga about five or six years at that point okay. and doing yoga for about 12, maybe.
1: Wow. And how, how consistent were you with your practice?
2: Well, I wasn't just doing yoga. I was doing bar too. Okay, So I was doing both pretty consistently multiple times per week. I mean, I would say I was going to bar two or three times a week and yoga, probably the same. Mm. And if I wasn't going to a yoga class, I was like practicing on my own at home.
1: And what was it about yoga and what, what was it about yoga and bar that really drew you? in
2: well yoga was first so yoga was a little different Mm -hmm. i mean yoga for me i enjoyed the movement but it was more about the spirituality and and the other parts of the practice because it was so holistic it was really filling a need for me in many different areas the movement was kind of just to me like a moving meditation like i i never really i never really thought of yoga as exercise so for Mm -hmm. me that was more of a, a meditative practice but I have a hard time sitting quietly in meditation because I'm a mover and doing yoga kind of helped me to be able to get into that mind space while also moving my body. Mm -hmm. So fitness wise, I mean, obviously like it has fitness benefits, but bar for me was more fitness and together, I really liked that mind body connection that I got from both because I feel like I really got in touch with my core Mm -hmm. and my breath, because both of them are so focused on that. And when you get in touch with your core and you're breathing, it kind of lends itself to any type of movement that you do.
1: So it was kind of like your foundation. Yeah. And how, when we, when we we met and we started hanging out, how did that foundation inform climbing?
2: Well, I would say it helped a lot with climbing because I had never climbed before. At all, ever, I don't think. And maybe once, like for fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but being able to focus on my core strength, I mean, climbing was all about my core strength and breathing, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're holding your breath while you're climbing, it makes it really hard.
1: <laughs> you're not gonna go far. You so
2: go. I think it, it really helps me in that practice because everything I learned through yoga and through bar and through like mind-body connection and breathing, i I, I use in every movement that I do. How did including yoga into your climbing help you?
1: I think it, the biggest thing it did is it centered me. Mm. Um, so much about climbing is, you know, strength and stability and all this other stuff, but a lot of it is, um, the mental aspect. And when I could be up there and thinking I was going to fall off or not be able to hold on or couldn't go anymore, I could center myself with my breath and start to find a nice rhythm with that and then move, understand that resistance that i was getting um be able to kind of acknowledge it and build an awareness around it and then kind of breathe through it and say okay you know you have the next step take it so that was a huge piece that was you know supremely helpful and then the next part of it was that you know, and it started increasing my flexibility and mobility and range of motion with joint stability. So it was really good in that respect. Um, I didn't feel stiff so often from just climbing four days a week and, and, you know, walking a little bit, but that's pretty much it. Right. So, so growing up, what did you kind of like, what did you do movement wise and how did that change over time? And then, you know, how, how did you kind of, start building your foundation of movement, and practice?
2: Yeah, for me, I mean, I was really active as a kid. I played lots of sports. Mm -hmm. So probably from the time I was five, I was playing soccer and softball. Mm -hmm. Um, Those I played pretty consistently. Uh, I played basketball for a while. I, in the summer I was on a bowling league. (laughs) So I was like every season I had my sport. Uh, Up till like the end of middle school. And then in high school, I was just doing soccer at that point, Mm -hmm. um, which I stuck with until the end of 11th grade. And then I decided not to do it my senior year.
1: Mm -hmm. And what was the the gap between, you know, stopping sports and mostly team sports, right? Well, bowling was still a team, but, you know, just you. One-on-one, yeah. How big was the gap between doing yoga or, excuse me, is doing team sports to transfer into something like yoga?
2: Well, I started doing yoga in college. So I think it was first time I did yoga, I took yoga as my fitness class in college. Cause wow. I was, I was really interested in yoga because one of my friends growing up, her mom was like an old hippie and she did yoga like in the sixties and seventies. And she had like yoga VHS. And I just thought it looked really cool, but I never did it. Um, And when I saw that yoga was an option for the fitness class in college, I was like, oh, I really want to do that. It looks really interesting. So I was like less interested in the movement part and more interested in the philosophy. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think, my first year of college, if I remember correctly, maybe like the spring semester. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, I think I did it summer session between the two. Um, So maybe a year and a half. two, yeah, year and a half, two years between soccer and moving into yoga.
1: And did you ever go back to team sports? No. Hmm. Interesting. Do you still want to?
2: sometimes like I crave it, but I don't, I don't know if it would be like a want.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
2: How about you? What was your growing up experience?
1: Um, couldn't sit still. So I was (laughs) super active. I had a have lots of things to do. Um, the thing I remember probably the fondest is growing up in, you know, in a class neighborhood and literally there was no, I mean, computers were just coming in, you know, Nintendo hadn't hit, you know, we're starting to hit yet, but we went outside and we played sports. So whatever season it was. So like, you know, we had a little field bar, our house and all the kids would get, go there and play football in the winter. Because you can get tackled and it wouldn't hurt. Um, we played basketball, uh, we played street hockey and flag football. So like all in the street or the field or whatever it was, and we always changed and it was always different. And that's that's what uh, like I really liked it. And then I remember fondly, you know, like recess was always my favorite uh, <laughs> subject in school. So we would go out and you know it was usually soccer games and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed just movement all around because I got to do it so much. Mm -hmm. And then you know, growing up playing soccer, uh, growing up playing baseball, tennis, becoming you know really good tennis player, and then all of a sudden I found lacrosse, and I was like, oh, this is. And I still remember the time I went home. I said, "Mom, I really want to play lacrosse. I don't want to play tennis anymore." And she's like, "Okay, you know." (laughs) She's like, what is it? And I was like, oh, well, you know, you have this ball and this stick and stuff like that, and I'm gonna need some equipment. And she's like, okay, what do you need? A helmet and gloves, just so I don't get hurt, Mom, right? So I'm like trying to like ease this one on her. And um, and then she kind of saw it for the first time and she was just like, oh oh my God. So, and as we know, lacrosse is like, you know, the Native Americans started it and it was like practice for war. So it was a little bit violent and, you know, I was, pretty undersized for lacrosse player, but, uh, I got good very quickly just by having a good athletic base and love, uh, running and, you know, I was playing soccer still. And then I ended up playing in college, um, and then getting injured. So that kind of was like no more lacrosse. I played for a little while and then it was like no more lacrosse. Lacrosse is done. So.
2: Mm -hmm. How does that feel when you couldn't play anymore?
1: I thought I'd be playing for a long time. Yeah. And when that was taken away, it was just like, oh, I don't have this anymore. So, and I kind of started trying to dabble in fitness, but just didn't find the right, you know, went to a gym and uh, that wasn't right. And I didn't like that environment. You know, how do you lift that and do that? I, I didn't really know. And it was a little wall until I started finding other things that kind of kept me active. Um, I eventually found snowboarding and, mm-hmm. but that was just the winter sports specifically. And I traveled, you know, all over the country and in Canada and everything, snowboarding. And then I finally found climbing and that was like, uh, I found my jam and that had a uh, very different from a team sport. So, but it was the thing I liked about it. It was, it was collaborative. It's not, you're just out there alone. You're talking to people, you're having a good time. You're, Right. You know, you're going through different moves. You're working on things with people. So that's aspect of it I really liked and kind of clung to. And that was my moving meditation. That was the thing that grounded me. That was the thing that was great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then came into fitness much later on. All right, here's a great question. What do you do now for your fitness?
0: Hmm,
2: what do I do now? <laughs> a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still do yoga, not as much as I'd like, but I still do yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, I still do bar Mm -hmm. and I also do some strength training with weights, Mm -hmm. uh, TRX, kettlebells, kind of a mix of all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, not a big fan of cardio, never been a big fan of cardio, like taking walks, never was a runner. I like jumping on the rebounder, so that's always been something that I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, recently we got a bike. So, that'll be kind of spin bike. A spin bike, so that'll yes. be a new form of cardio. Although I've taken spin classes in the past and hated them just because I don't like cardio. I don't like the feeling of getting my heart rate up. It just it I don't know. It doesn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. Um so I've always liked more slower paced cardio, like walking, the rebounder gets your heart rate up pretty high, but I don't know. It feels more manageable to me than higher impact forms of cardio, like running.
1: So even though you don't like cardio, Mm -hmm. you know that you need it.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, it's important for heart health. I know that (laughs) it's important for longevity. I know that, um, so,
1: so what did you, so this is interesting. What did you find, um, because you didn't like those other things, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what did you kind of put in its place?
2: What, like since I don't like running? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I take walks. So Mm -hmm. I like hiking and I like rebounding. So that's like jumping on the trampoline, but in a more focused way, it's not just jumping up and down. It's like, basically it's a routine that you do. Mm -hmm. So you'll be doing like different movements and movement patterns on the rebounder, which gets your heart rate up. I mean. Jumping on the rebounder for 30 minutes can be the equivalent of running for 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, definitely. So you found ways. You didn't just put it to the side. You're like, okay, I know I need to do this. I just have to find...
2: To find what works for you. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think they have to run, and a lot of people don't like running like me.
1: (laughs) Why don't you like running?
2: I just don't like the feeling on my ankles and my knees and my... I don't like the feeling on my joints. And I don't like the stiffness that I have after I run. Hmm. Um, Yeah. I just, it, it never appealed to me. My feet hurt when I run from pounding the pavement. Um, Yeah. So you've never
1: trained for a race?
2: No, I've run 5ks, but I never trained for them.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
2: (laughs) Not that a 5k is far, but I, I've run a 5k without training, but no, I've never trained for a race. How about you? What do
0: you do now?
1: What I'd like to do and what I do is like a big gap because how much I'd like to move. Um, so I think it's one thing that you have to continually challenge yourself with new and different things. Yeah. Um, the one thing I've been blessed with is not getting uh, my lacrosse playing was a head injury. So it wasn't anything like physically breaking down. Mm -hmm. So, and I've done so many different things that I think that's really helped me from staying away from injuries or not, you know, not getting in movement patterns or getting stuck and having this like wide breadth of different fitness. Um, What was the question? (laughs) Shit.
2: What do you do now for fitness?
1: So what... (laughs) What I do now is it's, it's a mix of different things and kind of like you, I've put it together and it's evolved. So I do run, I do trail run, um, a couple of days a week. I was up to, you know, 20, 30 miles plus a week. You know, I dial it back because that's, if you just do that, that's all you can do. And that's all encompassing. Um, so I do run a couple of days a week. Uh, I am on a spin bike a couple of days a week. That's for my cardio. Um, I will do TRX, uh, I do do bar and, um, my new, my new jam is I do jujitsu mm. two days a week, which is like mental chess Yeah, and I really, it's very similar to climbing. Um, it's a lot of failure. It's very humbling and it is, it's an amazing workout, uh, both mentally and physically. Um. I liken it to like, you know, on the other side of the spectrum of movement, like the yoga practice, but they have a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. as you start to do both of them. So,
2: and you're someone, if I'm correct, who you find it easier to do cardio than other forms of movement, right? Like if I was like, you have 30 minutes to go work out, like running or jumping on the bike would probably be your go-to.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
2: I've always, thought of, well, I've always thought of you as someone who finds it easier to do cardio and I find it easier to do like strength training. Like cardio for me is like, oh, I have to do this now.
1: It's pulling teeth.
2: Yeah. Where for you, I always see you being like, oh, I'm going to go take a run. And you seem really excited about it.
1: <laughs> I do, but it's always a struggle just to get your shoes on kind of thing. Mm. Right. Even though like you're like, oh yeah, you're in fitness. You, um, you know, it's easy for you. You're around it all day. Um, and yes, I'm in a gym, <laughs> you know, I'm in the studio uh, all day. But it's still, there's always that resistance there. That little siren said, siren song in your head saying, oh, you don't have to do it today. And there's still a struggle to get to do the things even that you love to do, even when you love to do them. Yeah. Um, Because I I think, you know, overall, our mind loves just to keep it safe. Yeah.
2: Path of least resistance.
1: (laughs) And, uh, I like to say the hardest thing is just putting on my shoes. Mm -hmm. So it's like getting ready for a run. Um, the spin bike having in our house has been a godsend because it's like, oh, it's air quality is not good. Well, I'm just going to run anyway. It's like, no, I have another option now, which has really helped in the consistency oh, I can do a 20-minute ride instead of a 30-minute ride, which, again, is 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 beautiful uh, to maintain that consistency. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Thinking of consistency, what I find helpful, I mean, being around fitness all day, it's, it's funny because it makes you think like, oh, it's easier to work out, but I feel like in some ways it's harder because you're around fitness all day. So when you're done, the last thing you feel like doing is now doing fitness yourself. So for me, I find like, first thing in the morning doing my fitness before I start the day Mm -hmm. (laughs) works the best because like it's done and I don't have to do it later. Cause I, in my own personal experience, like at the end of the day, I have the best intentions, but I'm like, oh, I'm done the day. Like I don't wanna do anything
0: else.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like the chef that cooks all day and then has to go home and be like, has to feed his family. And it's like, oh, you know, he's like, no, we're just having takeout or get ramen. Right. Right. Like I'm not going to cook this because it's, you know, you're in it so much. And so often that you're like, um, yeah. And maintaining that love for it is, is, is definitely, it's a devotion because it brings out your full self, not just one part or portion of you. And the way I kind of view that is that it is, you really get to find out about who you are in that practice all the time. You know, like when you're feeling down or something, it's gonna come through in your run and it's gonna come through here. And it's like, how do you react to it? And how do you push through that? Um, you know, when you can't do something, like like in the studio or out on the trail or out in life, how do you react to that situation? Mm-hmm. Do you just say, oh, well, ugh, and just kind of like tuck your tail between your legs and go the other way or do you say you know what i know what this looks like i just had a four mile trail run and this one uphill sucked but like you know i breathed through it i was aware of it and i just kept on going and i got through it so i think it's very informative of more so for me it's like building that um self-improvement yeah I get to work on myself every single day through my workout and find out more about who I am Mm -hmm. and also what how to better operate my brain and system because I think that's what we're always going against it's it's you against you not you against the world
2: right yeah I mean I always tend to find the days that I work out I approach life differently than the days that I don't like I can tell the difference just in my mood and, and how I'm able to handle things as they come up throughout the day. Like it, it just, it rolls off me easier than if I don't work out because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm holding on probably to so much because I feel like mentally I process things while I'm moving my body. Whereas if I get up and I don't move my body, I, I hold on to those things mm-hmm. and it comes out in other ways in my day.
1: Like literally the movement is gonna like flush the system kind
2: of thing right (laughs)
1: yeah so to speak
2: not in that like faux detox way just in that like actual release kind of way
1: yeah do you think if people focused on those kind of things you know doing stuff like that do you think they would be able to be more consistent
2: yeah i mean if movement improves their mood for sure i mean For a lot of people, movement's a good way to improve your mood and process emotions. Mm -hmm. So it, it would seem that finding what movement helps you to feel good could be a way to do that. And finding like the positive aspects of movement and what it does for you as opposed to just that aesthetic. I think we've just been socialized to think of fitness as a way to like hit an aesthetic that... A lot of people have learned to hate movement for that reason because maybe they've done it and never hit that aesthetic they were looking for or they hit that aesthetic and couldn't maintain it. So like fitness becomes something that's like a battle when really it's just like moving your body should be something that you enjoy Mm -hmm. for many different reasons.
1: If a client came to you and said, hey, how can I start to love my fitness? What would be like? top two
2: i don't know (laughs) i don't know if i have top two top three Um, top one top one i don't know i mean i think first of all finding things that you enjoy doing with your body right so like you have to find ways to move that you enjoy um that doesn't mean that those are only going to be the things you ever do but that's a good starting place Mm -hmm. right because the things you enjoy doing may not be the most beneficial right for whatever you're looking to do with your body, but it's mm-hmm. a good place to start, right? If you enjoy dancing, then, then take a dance class, right? Um, or dance in your living room, whatever you know works for you. But finding that love of movement over time, it's really disconnecting in your mind and rewiring your thought process on what fitness is and what movement is. Mm. Right?
1: So taking from something you said earlier with this kind of yoga aesthetic Mm -hmm. and yoga mindset is trying to connect more the mind and body. Yeah. And I think we're very much the same, but we're also very much different is that I connect in a different way with my movement. Um, And then both are meditations.
2: Yeah, they're both like mind-body connections. Yes. Like I always like to think of like, when we're sad, we're in the past, and when we're anxious, we're in the future. Mm-hmm. And when we're mindful, we're in the moment. And kind of what we're both saying is like, finding that mind-body connection through fitness, fitness is helping us be in the moment.
0: Are you wanting to take your fitness journey to the next level? Look no further than Why 2 Be Fit, Philadelphia's premier boutique fitness studio. With our personalized training programs, you can achieve your fitness goals, whether you're recovering from an injury, preparing for an event, or simply aiming to move your body better. Our experienced trainers will create a program tailored to your needs and lifestyle. But that's not all. Our group fitness classes offer an array of high energy options from bar and TRX classes to soothing yoga flows. With multiple instructors and weekly class times, you're sure to find your new favorite way to work out. Don't wait any longer to transform your health and well-being. Head over to Y2B Fit's website at www.y2befit.com to learn more and become a member today.
1: Which is a lot and really challenging because a lot of fitness people view as suffering. Yeah. Oh, I have to suffer. Life is about suffering, yes. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do, and especially... With like running and jujitsu and other things like that what i do is like you have to start to change your mindset around like oh this is not suffering this is just what it is and not putting a judgment on that mm-hmm. it's like ooh, i feel this and i note it and i'm like okay and then it makes it like okay as you start to kind of note and say all right well this is really tough and i can't do this right now but maybe tomorrow i do mm-hmm and I think a lot of our superpowers, trainers is to cue that in people where they're somewhere else and they can't see what they're doing or feel what they're doing quite yet. Um,
2: well, it's helping them find that growth mindset, mm-hmm. right? Cause maybe they come in and, and they can't do a squat. So in their mind, it's, I can't do a squat. And as a trainer, you're there to add that, yet. Like I can't do a squat yet. My favorite. Yeah.
1: That's definitely my favorite. I'm always catching people say, I can't do this or I can't do that. And I add, I'm just like, just add that word in. And I literally drill it through and they're just like, ugh, if I hear yet one more time, right?
0: Right. Yet all
1: over me. (laughs) Right. All right. Let's talk about, um, kind of the evolution of why to be fit, you know, how long we've been doing this, what it started out as, um, what it's evolving into and where we're trying to get to.
0: Well,
2: why to be fit has had many iterations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, start with the name, the name, why to be fit. Well, We originally started this whole thing back in 2015, so eight years ago now. And the name, I know, the name kind of, you thought of the name because I remember I was starting this online fitness business and I was really stuck on a name. And I actually remember (laughs) calling you on the phone because let's also preface this with I was postpartum and and really emotional. so, I remember calling you on the phone and being like, I have all of this stuff. I have like everything ready to go and I can't start the business because I don't have a name. And I was like putting pressure on you, being like, just give me a name. Like, can't you just think of a name? <laughs> I need a name. Um, so, you came up with this great name of why to be fit, which kind of had two meanings at that time, right? So, there's the why to be, um, as in, why to be fit? Why should you be fit? Right? What's your reason? Mm-hmm. Um, but it also kind of had this second meeting because I did yoga and bar. So it kind of was like yoga to bar fitness because it was yoga and bar and also strength training. Um, so it kind of like had that double meeting.
1: Yeah. Plus out my dad's skills. Yeah. <laughs> right. Very much so.
2: But yeah. it worked at that time.
1: Yeah, it did. And it, it's, and, you know, we had the one studio and now we have the, the new studio and that's a whole nother story. But I think it, the name is endured and I think we've built more meaning into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think about the name, it's kind of like, how can people find, you know, their why of why they should be, their movement practice, why they should be you know, on the path to getting, um, in their image, whatever fit looks like to them.
2: Right. Cause fitness looks different on everyone. Right. So it's more important to find your why, like, why do you want to be fit? Like mm-hmm. why is fitness important to you? And I like to encourage people to dig deeper, right? Cause when they give you that first why it's usually surface level. Um, so I like to kind of use that five whys exercise, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you're like, why? And they give you an answer and you say, okay, well, why that? And they give you an answer and you're like, why that? And it kind of like has them really dig deep into like, what really is important to them.
1: And I've had, and as you've had lots of conversations with people within this, and this is this is one of the most challenging things because this takes a lot of time to kind of suss out. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's almost like a living document. Yeah. And it's just not like, Oh, I, I can answer these five whys and I know my, this <laughs> and this is going to be this nice, beautiful tied into a bow package that I can say, this is my fitness. This is what I do. But, uh, yeah, your why
2: is going to change over time. And as you do fitness, you might realize that the why you thought you had, you don't and you really have a different one.
1: Mm. Yes. It's kind of like when we start out and we start playing team sports and it's like, okay, well, and some of us might be good at team sports or some of us might stink at team sports, but that's the kind of the gateway drug to all of movement. And a lot of people don't like that. So it's like, they don't go all in and they're like, no, I tried that movement thing and it just didn't work.
2: Or it's like having a bad experience and PE class in school. Mm. I mean, I played team sports and I hated phys ed in school. Mm. I didn't like getting changed in the middle of the day. Um, I didn't like sweating in the middle of the day when I was at school. Like I just hated everything about phys ed class. I mean, I almost failed PE the one year because I didn't want to swim. So I refused to get in the pool just because I didn't want to get my hair wet and I didn't want to have to walk around with wet hair because my hair is curly and it was going to get frizzy and I didn't have time to fix it. Mm. So I think like having bad experiences as a kid with team sports or phys ed or other things like makes people think that fitness and movement is just torture.
1: Yeah, and then, I mean, look at uh, kind of like fast forward the say, say that phys ed and playing outside and team sports are like the funnel, the top of the funnel. Right. So in fitness now, like we have like the big, the big gyms, mm-hmm. um, the cheap big gyms. And you know, you can see why when people go in, it's very daunting because they have all this, like, it looks like torture racks in there. And it takes a lot to actually have to learn. And it's the, the place itself is very intimidating. It looks like a you know, big cavernous place with all this equipment in it. Everybody knows, you know, technically like what they're doing. They're not. Right. And um, it's like, oh, you have to figure it out.
2: Right. And I feel like through figuring out a lot of people just end up going in and and using the cardio machines, like walking on the treadmill or using the stair climber um, because they don't know how to use the other machines or or how to use free weights. Like those are scary and intimidating. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the people you see using them, are intimidating not maybe because they don't not because they want to be but because it is right they might look really fit and they're using these free weights and you don't know what you're doing so you don't want to like walk up next to them and start using the weights because mm. it's you feel embarrassed so i think a lot of people end up using cardio machines and then not enjoying it not enjoying walking on the treadmill or the stair climber and not getting the results that they're looking for so mm. they end up not going
1: So it's, it's more, um, they're coming into this thing. It's, it's, it's newer for them. Mm -hmm. They might've had bad experience. Definitely had bad, possibly had bad experiences coming in and they're coming into this environment. That's not very welcoming.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And, you know, fast forward to where we are with our little studio. I think one of the great things about this is when they walk in, it's a completely different experience. Yes. Um, it's small
0: mm-hmm.
1: is big, it's instructional it's personalized. Uh, and it's programming based upon what your capabilities are and also corrective. Although I dislike that word of, of trying to make you, give you more pain-free ability in areas that you might not have right now.
2: I think that's nurturing, right? Not corrective.
1: Yeah. Supportive. Like-
0: Yes.
2: And I think not intimidating because we always make a point to like help people get set up, you know, Mm -hmm. making sure they know what equipment they're using and, and like how it works, especially in like, you know, your circuit training classes. I know a lot of people go into places that have like circuit training and they feel really intimidated because there's all this equipment that they don't know how to use. And they're like, I don't want to go to a station and be told to do something I don't know how to do, but you do a really good job of showing them Modeling it, explaining it, coaching them through it.
1: Yeah.
0: So I
2: feel like, I feel like it's a, it's a different experience that they get.
1: I think it's from number one foundationally being empathetic because Mm -hmm. understanding I know when people are coming in, I, you know, I've listened to them first and foremost. Um, I see where they are physically and I, you know, ask their background, what have they done? And, Empathy wise, I can understand the feeling that they're going through is very, you know, even in this little tiny space with all these, you know, not many people and all this, other stuff, it can still be intimidating. And the big difference is taking the time to guide that person through to make sure that they can, you know, they can do certain exercises or they can, they can move through things and just keep getting better at it. And I think that's been the interesting thing about how this has evolved
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, our business is that we've been learning over this eight years how to teach and coach better mm-hmm. from a standpoint of what's going to be the thing that's going to make people really comfortable when they come in here and you know the one thing that's been kind of like the shining stars we go and we're still figuring it out and this is our little test kitchen so to speak is that um you know, with, with semi private. So it's, it's a small group environment that is with customized programming, with a, a visual aid, with our phones, with the programming right there, with the videos so that they can refer back to. And then somebody there to help them with queuing and motivation and the things that they need to learn foundational skills
0: mm-hmm.
1: of how to do things. Or if they know things, it's how do we progress this and how do we do, work on the things that we don't know. So if I'm good here and I'm not so good here, how can we kind of get this a lot better? And that's, I think, just from us iterating and seeing who comes in and trying to help them, uh, meet them where they're at, how this business has evolved. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, tell, tell us when we first opened up, it was, what did what did uh YTB fit look like?
2: opened here or opened in the other space?
1: Uh, opened in the other space.
2: Well, I mean, originally y 2 Fit was totally online for a year. So when we first opened, y be Fit was an online video platform for postnatal fitness mm. and postpartum um, with some yoga and bar mixed in there.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then we opened our first studio,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, which was mainly Group, it was all group classes. I mean, I did private, I did personal training mm-hmm. one-on-one with clients, but other than like my own personal training, it was all group classes, mm-hmm. yoga bar, TRX. We evolved to it a couple of years in, um, and some like hit classes.
1: Mm-hmm. So we started as first online and mostly, uh, postpartum.
2: We were online postpartum for a year. Then we opened our first studio, which was group classes and I did personal training and my personal training focus was postpartum. Okay. So it was group classes and postpartum personal training.
1: Very niched out. Yes. And then as things. Then COVID happened. Yes.
2: So when COVID happened, it became, you know, we transitioned everything online, you know, like most people did. Um, and we moved a lot more into a coaching space right? Mm -hmm. I still was doing group classes online, but then we were both coaching, right? We were coaching clients because we found that most people were having trouble with being consistent and working out at all, right? And they needed that extra support and accountability. And we were there to
0: do that.
1: And I think that's where our coaching really evolved. I mean, you know, you recently just got your board certification with health coaching. Congratulations. Thanks. And I'm up next to get that. Mm-hmm. We have to get one thing at a time with us. And I don't know where I was going with that.
2: Well, I think we evolved into doing the semi-private training because it kind of morphed our backgrounds. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it evolved through the coaching because you were doing semi-private training in your previous work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you were working with y to be Fit before COVID, Mm -hmm. but more behind the scenes Mm
0: -hmm.
2: uh, because you had your other job, which was in fitness and you were doing training Mm -hmm. and Mm semi-private, sort of. It wasn't exactly what we do, but you were doing a small group type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think through our coaching with people online, we really learned like a lot from talking to people about what their needs were. And we were finding that fitness wise, yeah, they enjoy group classes, But group classes aren't personalized, right? Everyone gets the same workout and a lot of people wanted something more personalized, Mm -hmm. but personal training one-on-one is expensive and it's not accessible to everyone. Um, so we kind of together came up with the idea for semi-private based on what we were hearing in coaching and your previous experience with doing small group stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of how it was born. And then we were like, oh, well, we should open a new space and make it smaller, have some group classes, but really focus on this semi-private because this is what, this is what people have told us they really need.
1: Yeah. And I think if we didn't have all that time really listening to clients, I mean, that basically that was our market research. And then, you know, did a lot of research and looked and there were some places that had this, but not in the way that we wanted to do it. Not with the mind-body connections and mindset and stuff like that. Not f- focused on results.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, focus on more process-oriented thinking.
2: I feel like a lot of places do it results-oriented. Like, it comes in as a cohort. And the cohort is, like, you have to do check-ins and weigh-ins every week. And, and your measurements you have to submit every week because you're you're focused on getting this outcome at the end of, like, an eight-week program. Yeah. Which, it's great if that's what you want. I'm not knocking that. We can help people with those things. It's not that we can't do that. It's yes. that... Through coaching people, what we found is we get you to the end of the eight weeks and you've hit that goal. And now the question is always like, what has every client said to us at that
1: point? What do I do next? What do
2: I do now? How do I maintain this? Do I have to keep doing this this level, this intensity? I can't do that forever. Yeah. So I think like that's one of the reasons we've decided to be more process oriented because we're looking to help people make lifelong changes and incorporate fitness and health and wellness into their life not just hit a goal and figure it out Mm
1: -hmm. i've been explaining it like this sometimes Mm -hmm. fitness and health and wellness and all the stuff that's kind of rolled up into one is is as important as learning how to read But in school, there's this nice step up in this process of of building upon things again and again and again. And with reading, as we know from our son, there's a lot of practice. And it's, you know, reading out loud, reading in groups, reading by yourself, reading to your, there's all these different things that they do really to build that knowledge with reading. The best thing that there is what? I kind of explain this is that reading in small groups. Mm. So with the teacher, so that the teacher can give time on with everyone, mm-hmm. other people can hear each other, and then the teacher can kind of keep it moving in, in, in a big way. It's hard to do it with a whole class. Um, and being a background, having a background in teaching, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like kids that have that more you know, lower teacher to student ratio or are more successful.
0: Yeah.
1: And taking what we learned, I learned in in, in education, it was like, okay, well, how do I get students that want to learn movement? How do I get them, you know, more successful? Well, I have to put them in small groups. Mm -hmm. I have to have one teacher in there. I have to have lots of interaction and I have to make it so that they're practicing consistently, persistently, and doing it in a lot of different ways. So I have clients walking and I have clients on spin bikes and I have, and not only in here, but also outside, you know, they can look over their workouts, they can watch the videos and be like, oh, was I doing that right? Mm -hmm. So there's lots of overall feedback and feedback loops to learn this process and looking at the whole, taking a step back and looking at the whole fitness overall is there's a huge gap in the market with that because they're so focused on results, they've built systems and processes in place to give that to people. It's building a better mousetrap. But I really feel that we see that that doesn't work.
2: Not in the long term. No. (laughs) It's not sustainable.
1: So if fitness is kind of the fix for a lot of these issues and challenges that we're going into and these numbers, obesity rates, just, you know, people getting unhealthier and healthier, uh, keep going up. You know, one thing that, you know, we figured that we can do is change fitness to make it more permanent to. And when I tell people it's like, yes, this is like learning how to read, but learning how to read is building. What it boils down to, I think is building skill. Mm -hmm. So we're helping people build skills and, practices over time become habits habits over time become skills and in a roundabout way that that stuff is really hard to explain to clients you just have to like i have to say it again and again and again, and then just understand that like this is what the process looks like
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you've done a pretty good i feel like it's taken that long to just be able to explain what we do but even that's hard i can't boil that down anymore right it has to be through conversation and and trying and and that's why we're here at the podcast (laughs) tell me two things that people might not know about you
2: (laughs) people might not know anything about
1: me (laughs) I agree um why don't they know anything about you
2: probably because I'm very introverted and I just like to keep to myself
1: Mm. but you do what
2: I do what?
1: Can you be extroverted too?
2: Well, anyone can be extroverted. I mean, introverted doesn't mean I don't like to talk to people. It just means that I get really tired talking to people.
1: Mm, Except me.
2: No, I get tired talking to you too. (laughs) (laughs) I need a break sometimes. I don't get bored being alone. I could be alone for days on end.
1: Okay, that's one thing. What's the second thing?
2: What doesn't someone know about me? Um, I don't know. <laughs> do you have any ideas?
1: No, I asked you. Don't turn the question back to me. No,
2: but I don't know. What do you think people don't know about me? I don't think anyone knows anything about me, so I don't know what I
1: should. Check okay, out. so uh, all right, give me your, give me your, give me your big background, like the big. What's a big
2: big background?
1: This is like the big like how many different trainings have you done a lot? Yeah. So this is almost to the
2: point where it's embarrassing. So I don't like to talk about it. I just like, I like learning and I like going to school. So I enjoy learning.
1: Awesome. What tell, tell me some things that you have learned in fitness.
2: Some things I have learned. Yeah. (laughs) You want Like my certifications and training. I go
1: through what, what, what is somebody coming to you? Um, I think it's interesting, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this. I think it's really interesting that you don't ever lead with this. That's no. what I think is the best. Well, I
0: don't like to lead with my
2: resume because I think it sounds boastful, and and like a lot of times, like a training doesn't mean you know what you're doing. It just means you did a training. Yes. So yes. I don't know. I don't like to boast. Yes. I just like to learn. But and, I like to brag on you. And I like to incorporate things I learn into what I do. Okay. So
1: so tell t- you know give some origin of like what kind of
2: do you want my fitness resume yeah in a nutshell
1: sure do
2: you want me to start at the beginning and like go through like i think that's the easiest <laughs> yeah.
1: just to remember <laughs> wait, wait let me just preface preface <laughs> this right now all right so when i go like this okay and and i love her she has a binder full that's like this thick of her certifications yes we don't hang them on the walls. There's no mirrors here, but, um, yes, you do have a lot of certification, but it's like literally like it's the plastic too, but I mean, it's pretty thick.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I, I wouldn't hang them on the wall cause I think that would be embarrassing cause it would be, it would fill the whole wall. Ah.
1: Okay. Got it. Um, what do you got?
2: So, well, I started with my yoga teacher training. Yep. So I have like a, like a 200 hour or 500 hour. Okay. Um, I've done
1: 500 hours. Yes. Okay. That's, um, that's I've a lot. done
2: like children's yoga teacher training. Okay. Prenatal yoga teacher training. Okay. Um, I've done.
1: What I've, else in yoga?
2: Yeah. I'm starting with yoga. It's <laughs> easier that way. <laughs> um, what else in yoga, yoga trance dance, which is like yoga dance. Okay. Um,
1: there is such a thing as yoga dance.
2: Yeah. It's wonderful. It's cathartic.
1: I've done it. It's, <laughs>
2: Not for you. It's a
1: vibe. It's <laughs> um, a vibe.
2: What else in yoga? Um, I did Ayurvedic lifestyle consultant. And what is that? It's like Ayurveda, like
1: Ayurveda um, is the study. sister
2: science of yoga. So it's really like the lifestyle, nutrition component. That kind of um it's like ancient wisdom. Okay, in India. What else? I've done bar teacher training.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, certified personal trainer. Okay. I have a master's degree in exercise science.
1: Oh yeah. You skipped over that one. Master's degree in exercise science. Yes. Okay. That's pretty high level.
0: Yeah.
1: So you know a thing or two about a thing or two. I do. Okay. okay. Keep going.
2: Um, certified in TRX. Uh-huh. I did a kettlebell certification. Oh, a nutritarian health coach. So I certified in, in Dr. Furman's nutritarian, uh, plant-based, eating.
0: Okay.
2: I did the well coaches, uh, wellness coaching cert. And then I took the national board exam. So I'm a national board certified health and wellness coach. Awesome. What else? I'm sure there's other things that I'm not remembering. Oh, surf set. I'm certified in surf set and stand up paddleboard yoga. I forgot that one.
1: Okay. What's surf set?
2: Surf set. I did that training when I was seven months pregnant.
1: And I think <laughs> and,
2: and that was in person and I think the people there thought that I was crazy because it's core training. So you're on a surfboard. It's essentially like surfing in a room. So it's a surfboard on a stand, but it moves like you're in waves. So you're essentially teaching people to surf and it's all core strength. And I was very pregnant and it was really challenging because it, it was like 16 hours of training to learn how to teach Nesh. this.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Yes. That was, that was like three weeks before Nesh was born. Nesh is Yes. So yeah, surf set. um, I'm sure there's things I'm not remembering.
1: That's pretty impressive. That's a lot of trainings,
0: a lot of trainings.
2: And I, I, incorporate things from all of them into everything that I do, I think.
1: I don't, I've been in this business for a little while. I don't know many more people that have that much training. Very few people I'm like, like they've done all this stuff, um, because they've been in the business a long time, just in, uh, typically in our business you know, you have to go get recertified and all this other stuff. So you continue to do stuff, you know, year in, year out, um, a lot of, there's a high turnover rate in our business, uh, with trainers. Um, and you don't see very much. I'm going to call them experienced trainers, right? They're very few and far between. Usually it's a younger, a younger crowd.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of people move on from fitness into other things. It's kind of like something they start with and then they move on. That's why it's a younger crowd.
1: Yeah. And there's a high turnover rate within the industry.
2: So what are things people don't know about you? (laughs) All all my trainings.
1: All right. So something, um, how did you say this? I'm an introvert, but extroverted.
2: You are an extroverted introvert. You actually like talking to people.
1: I do. But at the same time, I have this other side where it's like very much introverted too. Like I like time alone and I, I I go both directions or can go both directions depending on. So yes, I like talking to people and everything, but I'll have some days where I'm just like put my head on, <laughs> put my head down, okay. Um, and I tried to get out of that because it's a very people-facing business and I have, I do it every day, all day, and this is what I do in love. but it's, uh, some days it's very much like, yes, I want to be an introvert and just go home and cozy up. Um, yeah, that's one thing. All right. Um, and I'll go through my trainings, uh, which are not as much, but it's all good. It's okay. I think, um, the full scope of it is that I believe I was always meant to be some sort of coach, Mm -hmm. you know, I started out as a teacher Loved it until I didn't. And then I find myself coming full circle to it and realize that this is kind of my column because I've done so many different things in my career that this is the thing that just seems to stick. And also it doesn't seem like work.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's something that comes very, very natural and programmed kind of into me. And I pull from other areas.
2: I'm sure you use your teaching background a lot.
1: I do. I think that's the one thing foundationally that has really helped us put this together and like really listen and be able to teach and, and consistently, you know, kind of better myself so that my clients can get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was it? Oh, so my background. So, uh, trained as a, um, Probably should have been a gym teacher, but for some reason, didn't go into it. Um, went the academic route, um, uh, got my degree in teaching and also English and almost went to grad school for English and then ended up getting out, um, playing also lacrosse in college was, and I was also a professional ball boy in tennis. So like background was and played every single sport whenever I could, whatever it was. Um, and the
0: best part.
1: What? I get to play all day.
0: No. What? What else did do you people. do?
1: What?
2: Aside from playing sports in college and being a ball boy, what else were uh, you? that oh That gosh. took some fitness.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> all right. So quick story. So, uh, I didn't believe you busted this out already. That's what, that's what people don't know about. Yes.
2: <laughs> See, this is a better one.
1: Yeah. This is much, I knew you were saving this one up, damn it. Um, so I was the temple mascot. I was the guy in the costume, um, you know, having a great time short story. So they had this, um, the way that I got this is they had this crazy fan contest and, um, me, my, myself and my friends, we would go to the game and we had season tickets for Temple basketball when I went to Temple university. So we all got dressed up and I was at the game and I was acting really crazy and running down and up. And I was like kind of running up and down the bleachers when everybody was quiet and just making a mockery of everything. And I had a crazy costume on, you know, a big, sombr- sombrero with ski goggles and streamers and a uh, you know, silk robe and just like socks, socks with socks pulled up and, you know, tight Hawaiian shorts and just looking like, you know, shouldn't have gone out of the house that day. Anyway, um, they, I won and they brought me down on center court and uh, they introduced me and they're like, I want a trip somewhere. And uh, I started dancing on center court and security ended up kind of like almost pulling me off. Uh, they did pull me off. And everybody went nuts. the whole fan everybody went nuts. And um backstage I talked to the, the the cheerleading coach approached me and he said, Hey, you know, he's like, You're really good at this. He's like, uh, you know, he's like, You ever think you want to be a mascot? Maybe, you know, come talk to me. I was like, Yeah, sure. I was like, What's the pay? He's like, Well, you get free books and I'm like, sold and then he's like fifty dollars an hour also for special appearances, not temple games. So I end up getting free books and um I had a really good time. I used to dance a lot. So that was my kind of like claim to fame and I would dance all over the stadium. And I had a big owl costume. Went to class in it one day, like really yucked it up and had a good time with it. And uh, yeah, that's something probably people don't know about me. I was the guy in the costume. Went to cheerleading camp, had a great time. It, it, It was a fun time. So, and then also played lacrosse in college at a different college, so. Let's, let's, let's Sorry, but I
2: think that's fitness-related.
1: Yeah, kind of, sort of. It's a good, funny story. I like it. So I, was, I got free books. I was like, okay, 600 bucks a semester? Sure. Yeah. Done.
2: So your trainings and certifications, you never, you never went over those.
1: All right. So uh, certified personal trainer, TRX, I'm going through yoga teacher training right now. Um, what else? Um, bar teacher training, bar teacher, I did bar teacher training. That's right. She trained me in bar. Um, and actually I had to go through it and that was tough. I, I, bar is tough. You think you're like, oh, I can lift some weights and I can do all this stuff. Come and do bar for a second. Um, you realize how much muscle endurance you don't have, which was great. Um, and actually I, it, it gets sprinkled into a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, what else? PN. PN. So I'm a certified health coach uh, for precision nutrition. And then in the next couple of months, I'm going through well coaches also, and I'll be working on my board cert. So we're both board certified. Um, yes. And then just like a whole lot of movement. So, I mean, anything and everything, rock climbing for a number of years. Um,
0: corrective exercise specialist. Oh yeah, just
1: finished my corrective exercise specialist. Yeah, so I've got a few, not as many. But uh, I'll
2: remember them for you. What's that? I'll remember them for you. Good. I'm glad.
1: I hate that term, though, corrective exercise. It's like it denotes that you have to, like, fix yourself.
2: Yeah, but I think the point of it is to help people, like, manage imbalances in their body. Like, if they have an injured hip, like, how to manage that?
1: Yes. So one of the things, too, where that's come full circle and what we've seen the need for our clients is everybody has something they're working through. Uh, whether it be a hip, a knee, you know, a shoulder, this or that, there's a lot of injuries from moving our body. And it might not be injuries, it might just be imbalances or, you know, hey, my, my foot goes numb after I do this for an hour or two. And there's kind of a disconnect too within the industry. There's basically physical therapy. And then a lot of times there's a gap between where physical therapy stops and getting back to doing the things that you might have been doing before. So like physical therapy, say you have plantar fasciitis, and you you go to physical therapy and they get you to a certain point. Well, it's still there a little bit, but you know, insurance stops paying for it. It's like, well, how do you get better at that and how do you kind of work on it your own? Um, And I think the neat thing has been, a lot of our clients have seen a lot of results within doing corrective exercise modalities so that they're actually feeling better in their body, not only like, you know, getting to results. And I think that that's been a really nice thing. Um, because when we can make ourselves, we can, we can create change within ourselves. Um, it's very, very empowering. And our clients, um, if we're going to be working out for the rest of our lives, having that little skill to to be able to change something within you yourself is awesome. And that is one of the things that I'm really trying to do or instill or inspire in my clients in our clients is that you can change. It doesn't matter where you are. And once you get a, kind of a taste for that. Um, you know, that releases all those good feel-good chemicals and you start really, you start getting motivated and you start seeing these weaknesses or imbalances within yourself as things that you get to work on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're the silver linings and they're almost the gifts that, um, that were given. And that's like, it goes back to that, like kind of like suffering, right? Like suffering is something that happens to you, but you get to determine what you make of that, that meaning of it. And when you boil this, you know, kind of like this, all this fitness and everything else that we're talking about, it is a process of getting to know yourself better through fitness and and through working through these, these adversities that we're given. And I think that's a really beautiful thing.
0: I agree.
1: Cheers.